Welcome back to another episode of Next Gen Athletics, a podcast all about college sports. In today's show, we're going to talk about all of the conference championship action from this past weekend. Then, we'll look forward to some exciting bowl matchups starting soon. Afterwards, we'll turn our attention to some tournament action going on in men and women's soccer and volleyball. Finally, we'll look at three big storylines for this upcoming week. Now, ladies and gents, let's kick the tires and light the fires. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you all are doing well on this Monday afternoon. Hope you guys enjoyed the weekend. We're able to watch some exciting football action. Uh, The football action uh, created some chaos this past weekend. And we had, for for the first time in, in probably the entire playoff history, a bunch of conference championship games that really ended up not meaning anything. Um, you know, obviously with USC's loss, it opened the door for Ohio State. But after that, you had the three undefeated teams and going into going into Saturday, it was one of those things where, yeah, I mean, I think win or lose, we have our four. Um, and, and rightfully so. Obviously, even with a TCU loss in overtime, they still got in at three, being that best one loss team. Um, I'm, I'm glad I've tweeted it out on um, Sunday morning and said that there was only run one right answer, right? That there was only Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and Ohio State. And anything else would be SEC bias or recency bias. Like, there would be no other right answer. So I'm glad the committee got it right. We're going to get our top four. We're going to break that down here in a little bit. But like I mentioned, USC had one job, win and you're in. And Utah came in and spoiled the party for the Trojans by a final score of 47-24 to in Las Vegas. The Utes are reigning Pac-12 champions now back to back going to the Rose Bowl. And we'll take on Penn State. We'll talk about that a little later on as well. But the Utes, just a, a great example as to why we need 12 teams. You know, last year we saw it. Like, nobody wanted to play that Utah team at the end of the year. They were hot. They gave a really, really good Ohio State team a run for their money in the Rose Bowl. And and this year they gave a really, really good USC team an absolute masterclass in how to play offense and how to play physical defense. Uh, the story that kind of took over this game was the terrible tackling for USC. I saw a stat that there were 22 missed tackles um, in the entire game by USC. Four touchdowns that you scored were off of missed tackles. And just, I mean, just horrible tackling. It looked like they didn't know what they were doing. I tweeted out at one point that USC clearly didn't understand that they weren't playing two-hand touch because um, on one touchdown play, I think it was a third and 16 from about midfield, and they throw the ball. Uh, rising hits a receiver about eight, seven yards short of the first down. You know, probably in fourth, fourth down territory, kind of on that 40-yard line in no man's land. Um, and, and instead of, you know, dragging him to the ground or even trying to strip the ball, all four of these USC players run up to him and all kind of grab onto him. And then I guess they assumed that the other guy was going to make the tackle and just let go. And he ends up running 
60 yards or whatever to the house. So, or not 60, 40 yards, excuse me, to the house. Um, and I mean, it was just, it was case and case time and time again. It was the same story. It was the same thing. You know, in going into this game, I felt like Caleb Williams had everything in front of him. I felt like that, that there was going to be no opportunity for anybody else to really shine and have that Heisman moment. But a loss and, and not a bad performance going 28 for 41 for 363 yards, three touchdowns. But he threw a bad interception late in the game. They, he just looked he looked to be at the helm of an uninspired USC team that just looked like one of those postseason Lincoln Riley teams. You know, I saw a crazy stat that that Lincoln Riley has had some of the best quarterbacks on his rosters. When you think about it, he had Jalen Hurts, he had Kyler Murray, he had Baker Mayfield. Now he's got Caleb Williams. He had Spencer Rattler there for a little while. So, but but the crazy thing is, as successful as Lincoln Riley has been, as great as those offenses have been, they have not won a playoff game. Like Lincoln Riley's been there three times, I think, and all three times have just gotten spanked. Now, obviously, the one exception would be um, the the Georgia game in the Rose Bowl when Baker Mayfield and Oklahoma took it all the way to second overtime, I think, before ultimately the Bulldogs were able to get the win in that one. But just once again, I feel I don't know if this is a coaching problem, if this is a problem where. You know, in the locker room, they're they're riding games off and and selling out quickly, or I don't know what the problem is, but it's definitely a problem. It definitely seems like something that has a tendency to follow Lincoln Riley, and that's something that the Trojans are going to have to really address, not just next year, but especially if they do end up going into the Big Ten. A Big Ten is is a very very physical conference. You, you're not going to be able to have success and and tackle like that. So I think USC obviously has the offense to beat anybody. Um, we saw that all year long. Uh, Utah did a fantastic job in this one, limiting the run. USC's Austin Jones was only able to get 15 carries for 35 yards, and, and they just didn't have any kind of spark going forward. Caleb Williams still proving to be a really, really good quarterback. Still probably, in my opinion, going to be your Heisman winner. But, I mean... It was just wasn't enough, and, and the pick is, is a bad pick, and, and it kind of opened the door for a couple other quarterbacks uh, to have big days on Saturday that could make it close. Um, like I said, I still technically I, I still think that Caleb Williams should win the award. I still think he's the best quarterback in college football, um, but there are definitely um, other, other guys who had performances that we'll talk about a little later on that are definitely going to make it closer, but like I said, the highlight in this one, Utah spoiling the playoff party for USC by a final score of 47 to 24. Our next one was a thriller, an overtime classic in the Big 12. Kansas State getting the Big 12 victory over TCU in overtime by a final score of 31 to 28. This game was highlighted by back and forth hard fought tough defense it was something where we saw uh, uh, an inspired TCU team led by an inspiring quarterback march down the field late in the game uh, Duggan putting his heart and soul on the line he had a hundred cuts he was bumped bruised looked like he had gotten jumped in an alleyway out back behind the stadium and they still somehow survived they kept fighting Ultimately, in, in overtime, getting down to the six-inch yard line and not, not somehow not busting it in, 
Um, personally, I still think the guy got in on the third down run. Uh, ESPN did a good job of showing the overhead view, and it sure looked like he was in. I'm not entirely sure why there was no buzz down from the replay review booth to go and take a look at it. I guess maybe because they had just looked at, at Duggan's run a couple minutes ago, but I still feel like this is something to where he they, we need to take a look at this because ultimately it ended up not mattering. TCU is going to the playoffs. They're going to play uh, Michigan at the number three spot anyways. But if this had been something to where, you know, Clem, let's say let's play devil's advocate and say Clemson had won last week against South Carolina. Well, who like you can't put TCU in now, right? Or, or are you not going to put Ohio State in? Like so, ultimately, it did, it ended up not mattering. But but we need to think about it from a different perspective and say, well, yeah, it didn't matter this time. But what if next time it does matter? So I, I think that that needs to be addressed. Um, I I mean, from the replay, it looked like he lunges over the line. I mean, he's obviously not down because he's on a mass of bodies, and then a lineman's foot kind of knocks the ball loose. I don't I mean they showed a couple angles and it looked like the lineman's foot was inside of the actual end zone. So on and to to make a point, the ball only has to break the plane. So it has to just cross the line any part of the ball and I thought it happened um luckily for TCU um it ended up not to matter. Obviously you want to win your conference. Obviously, you know TCU hasn't won the Big 12 in a while. Kansas State and even longer, but you still want to win. You still want that trophy. You still want to go in with confidence. Um, but the Horn Frogs should should keep their heads high. They played really, really well in this one. Uh, defense was uh, the star of the show. Like normal, we saw a really, really inspired TCU defense. We saw a really, really inspired Kansas State defense as well. Uh, winning the turnover margin and ultimately winning the game on a field goal from 31 yards out from Ty Zentner um, to win the game. It was a great game, honestly. I had a had a good time watching that game, um, but like I said, Kansas State gets the win over TCU, uh, 31 to 28. Luckily for TCU, they are still the best one-loss team since they got to play in a conference championship. They stayed at three over Ohio State, who is at four. Our next game, I don't really think anybody ever doubted this one: LSU losing to Georgia by a final score of 30 to 50. The big storyline coming in was obviously LSU's uh, chance to make the college football playoff up until the last week of the season when Texas A&M upset the Tigers in College Station, stormed the field to cap off what was a horrendous year for the Aggies. LSU kind of limped in, uh, literally with uh, Jaden Daniels hurting his ankle last week. We didn't really know if he was going to be able to go or not. And I think it was pretty obvious from the get-go after the very first hit he took, getting up limping, getting up wincing. Um, obviously, as, as a former athlete, as a, as a former player myself, I mean, I tried to fight through every injury I ever had. I know athletes, they're going to fight. We're, we're, we're t- we try to think we're really, really tough and we can outcome any injury. But um, ultimately, wasn't able to get over this one. You wish well on the guy. Uh, he's a phenomenal quarterback. He had a really, really good year. Um, but he got outdone by a really, really good Georgia defense who outdoes everybody. Um, so the Tigers deserve to keep their heads held high. Uh, they finished 18th in the poll, I think, uh, right in front of South Carolina and right behind Tulane. So sorry, Louisiana, but you're not even the best team in the state of Louisiana. It happens. Um, but 
I think a, a, a big storyline in this one is the play of Stetson Bennett. Bennett went 23 for 29 for 274 yards and four touchdowns. Like I said, when Caleb Williams kind of had a, a subpar performance from, from his USC teammates, it opened the door for a quarterback who was going to potentially win the Heisman Trophy to come into play. Stetson Bennett was a name that nobody really kind of looked at. I've said it before. I feel like he's a very, very underrated quarterback. Um, and I think that's probably because we're not likely to see Stetson Bennett have, have a huge NFL career. Maybe I'm wrong. People have been saying this kid isn't going to have a huge career his whole life. Obviously, we're all wrong because he's a very good quarterback at Georgia. Uh, but, you know, Stetson Bennett just kind of lacks that size. He lacks the, um, the, the NFL caliber quarterback kind of tone, body tone. So, you know, I think it's something to where that kind of overshadows it a lot because he's not projected to be a high draft pick. Um, I don't know that he's even projected to be a draft pick. Um, it could be something where he's drafted kind of later on, six, seven round, or he's an undrafted free agent that gets signed by a team to a practice squad. Um, but, you know, I think that kind of overshadows his his college career a lot of the times because I think a lot of people just kind of turn a blind eye to him since he's not getting all that hype from the NFL, since he's, you know, 26, since he's older than like half of the NFL starting quarterbacks. He doesn't get that hype. But, I mean, I think Stetson Bennett has done enough this year to get to New York. I think that he's somebody that could steal a couple votes after a really, really good performance this weekend, after going 13-0 again. After, well, not again, I guess they went 12-1 and last year. But having that number one team, he's your reigning MVP from the national championship game. I think he deserves to be there. Like I said, I still think it's Caleb Williams' award to lose. I don't necessarily think anybody's going to take that away from him. But from the performance of Stetson Bennett, and I didn't mention it, but the performance of Max Duggan as well, I think those guys are going to steal a couple votes. But unfortunately, I think they're going to steal votes from each other as well, and I don't think it's going to end up mattering. Um, and I, I think Caleb Williams will still win, but Georgia rolls over LSU in this one, 50 to 30. Our next game was a revenge game. The Tulane Green Wave getting the win over the UCF Golden Knights by a final score of 45 to 28. This game was highlighted by Pratt, who had an unbelievable day, going 20 for 33 for 394 yards, four touchdowns, and one interception. Just a day that we talk about on the show a lot, right? We talk about it on a lot, that there are individual performances on a football field, basketball court, soccer pitch, doesn't matter. Individual performances sometimes in team sports that ensure a win. When you have a quarterback who goes for almost 400 yards and four touchdowns, Unless you have an absolutely unbelievable day from your opposing quarterback, and unless you have a running back who goes for 200 yards and three touchdowns or something on the other side of the ball, you're going to have a win. You can go ahead and write it in the win column. That is what we saw today. Tulane jumped out to a quick 10 to nothing lead in the first quarter and never looked back. They kept the foot on the gas pedal and just kept on pushing. UCF couldn't stop them. They didn't have an answer. Tulane scoring in every quarter, 10, 7, 7, and 21. That is 1 through 4 in respective order. Tulane having a magical season, turning it around from going 2 and 10 last year to 11 and 2 this year, finishing ranked 17th in the country, one in front of LSU, so they can officially claim 
their own state championship. Tulane, with the win, gets a berth in the college football New Year's Six Bowl game, a Cotton Bowl appearance against USC. And with an offense like Tulane, we could see a good game in that one. I think that, that they have a, have a running back, a really physical running back in TJ Spears. I apologize if I pronounced that wrong. Um, he went for two, uh, almost 200 yards and one touchdown in this one, breaking off a long one at one point in the game. I think for over 80 yards, if I remember correctly. Uh, but just to cap another phenomenal uh, offensive performance from the Green Wave. They get the win at home. The, their stadium was packed. It was an awesome venue to see. It looked really cool on TV. Um, just, you know, college football has a way of reminding us that sometimes it's not always the biggest games that mean the most, right? Their stadium's not very big. I think it seats like 15,000, 20,000 people. So it's a pretty small stadium, but, you know, it's an American conference team. They're not normally going to be kind of your biggest kind of hoorah supporter sections. They're not going to be your biggest hoorah boosters and, and booster boards and whatnot. But uh, awesome to see. Great to great to get coverage like that on national television. And great to get the win and finish ranked in the top 25 for probably the first time in program history. Don't quote me on that, but I'm going to go out on a limb and probably guess. Um, I'll tweet about it later on if I can figure that out or not. But Tulane wins the American at home over UCF by a final score of 45-28. to 28. Moving into the night games in the Big Ten Championship, Purdue fell to Michigan by a final score of 22-43. to 43. Credit to Purdue in this one for keeping it close. It was 13-14 to 14 at halftime, and, and you thought, we've seen crazy things today. We've seen crazy things this weekend. We've seen crazy things from college football all year long. Could we see another? Ultimately, Michigan came out of the locker room scoring 29 points in the second half to Purdue's 9. That defense ended up bowing up, getting big, and keeping the Boilermakers out of the end zone and out of scoring position. Michigan going 13-0, and 9-0 in conference, and winning the Big Ten back-to-back years. We're going to see a Michigan side who, like I said before, I think Michigan could really, really challenge Georgia. They've got a really physical football team. They've got a good defense. They've got a physical runner. They've got a good quarterback in McCarthy who had another good day going 11 for 17 for 161 yards and three touchdowns and one interception. Edwards, the running back, had 25 carries for 185 yards and a touchdown. So Michigan... Once again, just proving to be a very physically running football team. I said earlier in the year that I didn't think Michigan had an identity in offense. I didn't think they really had something to go on. They went, they took the risk in going with McCarthy, and it paid off. They've got their identity. They're a running football team. Unfortunately, Blake Corum had surgery on his meniscus and is going to be out for the rest of the year. But um, they've got another really great running back in Donovan Edwards, who's having a great year. He's got 800 yards himself this year and seven touchdowns. So really a 1A, 1B kind of um, running back room they've got out there in in Michigan. And it's going to be a problem for the Bulldogs to stop. However, that Bulldogs defensive line is one of the best in the country, if not the best in the country. And I think it's going to be a great matchup to watch. Because while Michigan is really good at running the ball, McCarthy's also a great thrower. He's also a mobile quarterback who can get outside of the pocket and create plays. So that's going to be an exciting matchup if it ends up getting to that. But both teams respectively have to win that first round of games to get to each other. So uh, it's going to be a really exciting one. We're going to talk about it a little later on. But I'm really excited for the upcoming college football playoff. 
But just to remind you, Michigan getting that Big Ten championship win to go back to back by a final score of 43 to 22. Finally, in our last game of the weekend, number nine Clemson taking care of business over number 23 North Carolina by a final score of 39 to 10. The big storyline in this one is the quarterback change that Clemson had about halfway through the first quarter. I tweeted out after uh, what looked like North Carolina was just going to go up and down the field on Clemson, uh, and I said that Clemson was going to have to get better play out of DJ in order to have a chance. Well, instead, they turned to the freshman in Klubnik, who goes 20 for 24, 279 yards, and a touchdown. So um, just an amazing performance from the freshman to come in and, in, a, in a situation like that and have a great day. Klubnik also had seven rushes for 30 yards and a touchdown as well. He even caught a pass for a touchdown at one point. So the Tigers doing anything and everything they can do to to put points on the board to stop a North Carolina offense that was looked like it was just going to run up and down the field on them. Um, however, after a couple bad interceptions from Drake May, it just the, the the Tar Heels ran out of gas. They ran out of luck a while back. They just couldn't catch a break, losing three in a row to end the year. The Tar Heels will look to bounce back with a stronger defense next year. Uh, I mentioned it earlier on in the year that I thought North Carolina was going to be a good team. They've got a really great offense, but that defense was going to hinder them. And in this one, it did. They couldn't stop the Tigers. Uh, Klubnik having a great day. Um, and <laughs> we're going to talk about this for just a second, though. Um, Clemson had not had 100 yards receiving all year long. Okay, No receiver. They have had these great wide receiver rooms, but not one wide receiver had had 100 yards yet this season. Cole Turner, the freshman out of Vestivia Hills, Alabama. I probably mispronounced that. Finally, in the ACC championship game, the freshman getting 101 yards on three receptions. He had six total yards coming into the game off of one reception. So, uh, you love to see it. Sometimes college football writes its own stories. This is a story it wrote. Had to give the young man a shout-out because he's getting uh, pretty famous on Twitter right now. But Clemson, you, you look at it, and I said a couple weeks ago when I talked to Thomas uh, during the interview, I said, is DJ the guy? Is he? Are you going to stick with him through thick and thin? Ultimately, Dabo stuck with DJ, and now the question is, man, like what if? Right? If you're a Clemson fan, what if – Klubnik can come in in October and, and you bench DJ. What if you stick with Klubnik in the Notre Dame game and it gets hot and they run the table? What if you make Klubnik the starting quarterback at the halftime of the South Carolina game and you somehow win that game? Right? What if? All the dominoes fell the way Clemson needed them to fall everywhere else but in their own game. They needed Tennessee to lose. Well, South Carolina beat Tennessee. They needed USC to lose. Well, Utah took care of that. They needed TCU to lose. Well, that happened. They needed either Ohio State or Michigan to lose. Obviously, that happened. Everything went the way it was supposed to until the South Carolina Gamecocks showed up. Now, part of that could be the poor quarterback play from DJ Uyunglele, right? Maybe it is. Part of that could be on that. However, it's hard to play the speculation game. I, I don't like to do it. I've said it many times. What happened, happened, happened. You can't change it. The The Clemson Tigers... Winning the ACC, get a New Year's Six Bowl berth in the Orange Bowl versus the Tennessee Volunteers. Um, I'm calling it the Beamer Bowl. It's kind of getting called the Beamer Bowl on, on Twitter. 
just kind of a fun, uh, you both lost to South Carolina, go Gamecocks. Um, but Clemson uh, remaining uh, the cream of the crop in the ACC after taking a year off wins the ACC championship game 39-10 to over the North Carolina Tar Heels. Just to recap the big games from this past weekend, number 11, Utah wins the Pac-12 by a final score of 47-24 to over USC. Kansas State gets the win in overtime over TCU by a final score of 31-28 to to win the Big 12. In the SEC, Georgia handles business 50-30 to over the number 14 ranked LSU Tigers. Tulane gets revenge at home over UCF to win the American by a final score of 45-28. to Michigan proves supreme to go back-to-back in the Big Ten by beating Purdue by a final score of 43-22. to And finally, Clemson rises back to glory to win the ACC again by a final score of 39-10 to over the Tar Heels. Like I mentioned before, we're going to get into some bowl action before we transition into different sports. Um, And I'm not going to go over all the bowls. There's like a hundred of them nowadays. But um, I'm going to talk about the playoffs and I'm going to talk about the New Year's Six Bowls. And then maybe we can tweet back and forth on, on, on Twitter about some of the other bowls. But just to remind you guys, number one, Georgia is going to take on number four, Ohio State in the Peach Bowl. And number two, Michigan is going to take on number three, TCU, in the Fiesta Bowl. Now, going in, I I really wanted to see Georgia get challenged. I really didn't know. I thought maybe USC could challenge Georgia. I I thought maybe that offense would be able to do enough. After watching the poor performance that USC had against Utah, I'm really, really glad that they don't play Georgia because I think Georgia would murder them. I think it would be ugly. With Ohio State, we're going to get a better game. We're going to get a more complete Ohio State Buckeyes team versus a really, really good offense and a really, really bad defense for USC. Um, Georgia looking to go back-to-back in the national championships for the first time in the playoff era, but it's not an easy road. I, I, I was talking to my dad yesterday after they announced the, the top four, and I said this might be the most competitive playoff we have had yet. Right, A lot of times, especially in that 1-4 matchup, we get a blowout because it's Alabama or Clemson playing a lesser Notre Dame, Cincinnati, Michigan State. You know, and it's just ugly. It's no nobody wants to watch that. Nobody wants to watch a, a quote unquote best four team get absolutely demolished by the number one team in the country. Now, I might be wrong, but I would be very, very surprised if that happened in this one. I think Georgia's a good team, but I think Ohio State is too. I said it before, I think CJ Stroud is a great quarterback. They've obviously got Marvin Harrison Jr. at wide receiver, another great wide receiver coming out of Ohio State. They've got a really, really physical, really, really good defense that struggled against Michigan, don't get me wrong, but but took care of business against everybody else this year. I think that's going to be a great game. Obviously, Georgia having pretty much a home game playing in Atlanta, that's going to help the Bulldogs a lot. There's going to be a lot of Bulldogs fans there. They travel really, really well. They took over Williams-Brice Stadium a couple months back, back here in Columbia. Um, and and that, those, that's, a, that's a passionate fan base. So that's going to be a tough place to play for Ohio State being in Atlanta, being like an hour and a half from Athens. It's going to be tough. But I think Ohio State is a well-coached team in Ryan Day. I think he's going to have them ready, 
right? They kind of get this second chance, and a lot of times when you see teams given second chances, they take advantage of it. I think this is going to be a great game. I'm not necessarily saying that Ohio State's going to win. I think Georgia's going to win. I think Georgia is the by far the best team in the country, uh, but I think Ohio State keeps it close. I said for a while all season that these were the top two teams. Ultimately, Ohio State getting bettered by Michigan, but these are still two really, really good teams, and I'm excited to see this matchup. Moving into the other one, Michigan versus TCU is a very interesting game. Like I said, Michigan is a run-heavy offense. However, TCU is a very, very good run-stopping defense. A great illustration of this is when the Horned Frogs played Texas a while back, and they held Bijan Robinson to under 30 yards. That's something that we haven't seen from, from many defenses this year. Obviously, Robinson is a phenomenal running back. He's going to have a very, very long NFL career winning multiple trophies, if I had to imagine, because he's just a really good running back. He's patient, he's strong, and obviously he is super explosive and fast. But that Horned Frogs defense went into Austin, Texas, and handed him an L, picked him up, and took him to bed. I mean, obviously, like I said, J.J. McCarthy can throw the ball as well, but Michigan relies heavily on the run at TCU and that, that offense, that Max Duggan run offense, is a very, very good offense. It's a very strong offense. Obviously, Max Duggan just kind of willed his team to to the promised land this year. Um, and especially, you saw a very, very good demonstration of this in the Big 12 title game where, like I said, he had cuts and bruises all over him, but he just willed his team to overtime. He willed his team into the end zone late in the game. And ultimately, I think... I think that's going to be their saving grace that they didn't get blown out, that it was overtime because at one point it looked like Kansas State might run the score up on them. And if they'd run the score up on them, I think that it's going to be difficult for, for TCU to get in over an Alabama team that, you know, lost two games by a combined score of like four points. So, you know, I think it's unfortunate uh, for if you're an Alabama fan that TCU kind of willed their way back into the game. But that offense is strong. That offense is good. This is going to be a fun, interesting matchup. And like I said, I think we might have the best four teams for the first time in a long time. I mean, I really can't remember a, a year where it was like, okay, listen, like these are all really good teams because normally you've still got that one team who goes undefeated like last year, Cincinnati. It was a great story. I get it. It was awesome until they got embarrassed by Alabama. It was cool. It really was. I'm not hating on the fact that they got in. I think it's good for college football that they got in. But, I mean, nobody expected them to win, right? I, I was going into that game watching and just hoping and praying it was somewhat respectable. And, you know, at the end of the day, they didn't get hammered like we've seen some teams get hammered. But it's bad. I mean, it's we've we just have too many opportunities. We have too many games in the playoffs where that four team or that three team is just not as good as the one or two seed. And it shows. I think this year we're going to have two really close games followed by a really, really good national championship game, and we're going to get the rightful winner out of these four. But moving away from the playoffs, I've spoken about that enough. Uh, to round out the rest of the New Year's Six Bowls, like I've mentioned, USC is going to take on Tulane in the Cotton Bowl. Alabama is going to take on Kansas State, the Sugar Bowl. And finally, Tennessee is going to play Clemson in the Orange Bowl. All are going to be very, very good games. Lots of very fun, interesting matchups. Uh, hoping that, that a lot of these guys end up going and playing in the in the bowl games. A lot of times you see 
the better players, you know, declare for the draft and or, or decide to sit out. So it'll be interesting to see who plays and who doesn't. Uh, but I hope most of these guys play because these could be some really fun games, uh, great opportunities to just keep working, keep practicing, keep playing. Um, and representing your school for just a little bit longer. But that's going to do it for the football side of the podcast. Don't go anywhere. We're going to get into soccer and volleyball and then storylines next. Volleyball had their first and second rounds of the tournament this past weekend. Uh, No major upsets really to report, but I'll read you the Sweet 16 games. Uh, Number one, Texas is going to play Marquette. Staying on that side of the bracket, Number three, Ohio State, is going to play number two, Minnesota. Moving to the other side, number one, Wisconsin, is going to take on number four, Penn State. And number three, Florida, is going to play number two, Pittsburgh. Moving down, number two, San Diego, is going to take on number three, Kentucky. And number five, Houston, is going to play number one, Stanford. Shifting over, number one, Louisville, is going to take on number four, Baylor. And finally, number two, Nebraska, is going to play number three, Oregon. So, like I said, nothing uh, crazy to report. Still on number one seeds, mostly the top four teams, with the exception of Houston at the five. Um, but all these games are going to take place Thursday, with the quarterfinals taking place on Saturday. Moving to soccer, the men are in their semifinals. They have reached the College Cup in Cary. On one side, number three Syracuse is going to play the Cinderella Run. Creighton Blue Jays. That game is Friday at 6 p.m. On the other side of the bracket, Pittsburgh is going to play number 13, Indiana, at 8.30. Those games will probably be on ESPNU. I did not look, but that's probably where they will be. And to finish, the women are playing their national championship game tonight at 6 p.m. on ESPNU. UCLA will take on the North Carolina Tar Heels to win the national championship game. I had mentioned that that was on Sunday, so I apologize for that. I got my dates wrong. I looked at it wrong. Um, I could have sworn December 5th was um, a Sunday, but it's a Monday. So that's tonight. So if you want to watch that, I know that I'm going to try to. I've got work, but I'm going to, you know, hopefully we can get it on TV or something. But we'll have to wait and see. Uh, But that game is tonight. Storylines of the week. Obviously, we're going to go through three storylines of the week. Um, and one of them's kind of just an update. It's not really a storyline, but uh, the first one is who's going to win the Heisman? I mean, I really, I was reading a report earlier. We're going to get the finalists named later on today. Uh, when I'm recording it, they were not named. It's about one o'clock in the afternoon right now. So as of one o'clock today, they weren't named. But here's my top five to be that I think should be named. I think you should have Max Duggan, Caleb Williams, Stetson Bennett, Hennon Hooker, and CJ Stroud. That would be my five. Obviously, uh, I'm adding Caleb Williams or and Stetson Bennett in, and I'm dropping Bo Nix and um, Blake Corum out. Blake Corum just got hurt at an inopportune time, and then Oregon didn't quite finish the year like they needed to to really put Bo Nix in a good spot to win. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of times for the Heisman Trophy, it's sometimes not necessarily who's the best, but who's the best on the best team. Um, you know, all these guys uh, will be playing in... New Year's Six Bowl games, three of these guys, um, or yeah, excuse me, three of these guys will be playing in uh, college football playoff games, and obviously Hendon Hooker won't play, but Tennessee making the Orange Bowl, I'm counting that, um, unfortunate injury to his ACL, put him out for the year, 
But like I mentioned, I still think this is Caleb Williams' award to lose. He didn't have a very bad game, and he was hurt most of the game on Friday. It's unfortunate that his team couldn't win, but I, I would put that more on, on the defense than on the offense. Uh, they obviously could have scored more. Williams could have done a little better, especially with that bad interception he threw at one point in the game. But I still think he's the best player. I still think he's had the best year. Obviously, these other guys have had great years. All these guys had great years. To be in the top five, to to be a Heisman winner is an unbelievable honor and something that a lot of people are going to be really excited about going forward. It's going to boost all their draft stocks. Obviously, their teams are all really good. Three of these guys are going to go try and win a national championship. But for me, it's still Caleb Williams, but we'll have to wait and see later on today who the five is. But just to remind you guys, my five is Max Duggan, Caleb Williams, Stetson Bennett, Hennon Hooker, and C.J. Stroud. Next, we've got some big basketball games going on this week. Uh, just to give you my top couple games, uh, number two, Texas, is going to play number 16, Illinois, on Tuesday in the Jimmy V Classic. Number one, Houston, is going to play number 11, Alabama, on Saturday. Number four, Arizona, is going to play number 10, Indiana, on Saturday. And finally, number 22, Maryland, is going to play number 13, Tennessee, on Sunday. So, like I said, we're still kind of ramping up into basketball season, but especially now that football season's regular season's over, they're kind of getting into bowl games now, um, and that'll be wrapping up here in the next month. Um, We're going to kind of transition into basketball. And just to kind of give you guys a quick update on what I'm probably going to do for basketball season, obviously it's going to be a little different since they don't just play on the weekends like in college football. Uh, We'll still do games of the week. We'll still do uh, winners and losers. We'll still do that whole thing. Um, But instead of it being like just a Monday podcast, and then on Thursday we start looking ahead, we'll do a review Monday, look ahead for the rest of the week, review Thursday from the beginning of the week, look ahead into the weekend. So it's going to be kind of like two Monday shows and Thursday shows combined um, a week. Um, And I'm going to try and do a couple segments to still keep – other sports alive. Um, obviously, there's not too many uh, other college sports going on during the winter. I know there's wrestling. Um, I think gymnastics gets going. So I'll, I'm going to do my best to keep covering everything. Obviously, with coaching and 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 transfer portal stuff for college football, there's still going to be some craziness going on there. So we'll we'll still cover all of that. You don't need to worry about it. Um, and then we'll start to look ahead to baseball and softball and a couple other spring sports coming up this um, this spring. But that's uh, some key basketball games to keep an eye on this week. Finally, like I just mentioned, the transfer portal is officially open. People can sign and and officially leave and do all that stuff. Um, Before, we were seeing guys kind of mention that they were going to, but today is the day where they can, like, officially put pen to paper, um, commit to teams, leave teams, blah, 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 blah. So that's going to be some chaos coming up. Uh, Bull game practices are going to start here in the next week. I know Shane Beamer said that the South Carolina Gamecocks are going to start on the 15th. So um, we're, we're, we're moving in. We're in crossover time, like they call it. So hang with me. We're going to try and figure this out as we go. But those are your three storylines of the week. That is going to do it for me, guys. I hope you guys have a wonderful week. Stay warm. Good luck on finals. Any college students that are listening, make sure you go follow us on social media at next underscore gen underscore A-T-H on Twitter and next underscore gen underscore athletics on Instagram. Have a wonderful week, and I will talk to you guys on Thursday.